Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 279th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that. To be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy! Worthy 5! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May, it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, here with you guys. This edition of the podcast, as always, powered by Carolina Electrical Services, and it's Anthony back with you guys again here later on this evening after I recap the game against Villanova by myself. Still here by myself yet again uh, as we get you ready for Carolina's matchup with the Arkansas Razorbacks in the Battle for Atlantis consolation game. We'll tell you a little bit about the Razorbacks. Also tell you a little bit about where the Tar Heels stand coming into this one as well and give you our keys to the game, uh, my keys to the game, and uh, get you out of here with a prediction. Uh, But we have to start every podcast, every preview podcast, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day. Uh, And the pod thought of the day today comes from Dean Smith, the former Tar Heel head coach. He said... At one time, if you make every game a life and death thing, you're going to have a lot of problems. You'll be dead a lot. That's the key for Carolina coming into this game, the fan base. Guys, it was one game. Uh, This is not football. This is not a sport where if you lose a game, things are over. Not this time of the year. It's a... Uh, It's a tournament that Carolina certainly would have loved to win. It's one that uh, I think us as fans would have loved to see Carolina win because then you would know for sure uh, that this is a team that's ready to compete and, you know, potentially be one of the best teams in the country. Is it possible that they still could be one of the best teams in the country? Of course. And this game could go a long way towards determining that, but... The, the loss to Villanova is not one that I think should have fans 
super concerned. Uh, I saw, you know, majority of the fan base, I think, uh, sort of took it in stride and said, look, there were some unusual circumstances in that game, especially when it comes to the refereeing. Um, but, you know, I, I think for the most part, a lot of people looked at it as Carolina competed uh, with a, a team that's extremely physical um, and came up just short. And for them, you know, especially in a game where they were without three players uh, by the end of it who had fouled out, uh, I think, you know, it's. It, I'm, I'm not going to say it's a moral victory or anything that you should take away from them. They should still be angry about the fact uh, that they, you know, simply weren't able to handle the, handle the physicality, that they weren't able to make the adjustments on the defensive end of the floor to take away what Villanova was doing so well. But at the same time, I still feel like it's one of those losses that you can't really hang your head over. And the big key is not letting a game like that beat you twice. And now they got to get ready for a game against an Arkansas team that is really, really talented. Uh, but it's hard to figure out where exactly the Razorbacks are at at this point in the season. Uh, they're 4-2 and two so far this year, which is not a horrible record, but not great. Uh, look, they beat Stanford to start out the tournament 77-74, to but it was a win that had to come in double overtime. Um, and it's against a Stanford team that most people do not expect to be all that good again this season. Could they possibly find a way to make the NCAA tournament? Of course, but it seems like it's a pretty steep uphill climb for them. So for them to have to go into double overtime definitely wasn't the greatest look for them. Uh, it almost was a better result what happened today where they lost to a, a Memphis team that I think a lot of people feel is going to be really, really good this year. Um, would not be shocked at all if uh, they compete and you know potentially beat uh, Houston along the way in that American Conference. Don't know if I would pick them over Houston at this point, but certainly a team that is very, very close uh, to, to them in, in that American Conference. 84-79 uh, loss for Arkansas to them earlier today. Fought hard, but simply just didn't have enough in the end. Um, and you, you look, you know, their other loss coming into the tournament was to UNC Greensboro. It was a loss last Friday at home. So certainly not a great loss by any stretch. So I, it, I think Arkansas... Uh, is in a spot where there's a there, there's a lot that's unknown about them. Um, it'll be interesting to see how, how Carolina handles that coming into this game because this is still a group that uh, can can catch Carolina if they're not careful. Uh, the Razorbacks come uh, came into the season projected to finish third in the SEC's poll in in the uh, preseason poll. Uh, that was released back in mid-October, uh, and there's a good reason why. I mean, look, Tennessee is the favorite in the conference. Carolina will see them on Wednesday. Uh, that's one of the better teams in the country, even though they went out to Maui and lost twice. Uh, those are two of the better losses that you could possibly have on your resume. And then Texas A&M, uh, a team that is one of the best defensive teams in the entire country that many people look at as a potential sleeper uh, to cut down the nets when it's all said and done at the end of the year. So the Razorbacks slotted in third behind them. Uh, they have a forward in Trevon Brazil, who is uh, one of the best players in the SEC. He was picked as a preseason first-team All-SEC member. Um, they have a guy that was on the second-team All-SEC as well in guard 
Devontae Davis. And then they have a group of transfers, three of them, that are going to be highly impactful. Houston transfer Tremont Mack is off to a great start. Actually led the team in scoring coming into today. 16.6 points per game, shooting 51% from the field, 35% from three. Temple transfer Khalif Battle uh, having a nice season off the bench. Uh, he's actually second on the team in scoring, uh, or was coming into the day. 15 points, 3.2 rebounds, 1.2 assists. 38% overall, 48 per, uh, 44%, excuse me, from three. And then Louisville transfer L. Ellis, a guy that Tar Heel fans should be very familiar in a little bit of a different role than he's been in in the past. Not a guy that has to pretty much do everything uh, as he did the last two years at Louisville, uh, but he's you know putting up some nice production still, 11.4 points per game, 2.6 rebounds, 3.0 uh, assists. 48% uh, from the field, 33% from beyond the arc. So a ton of talent on this team. Uh, it's a group that Carolina, one of the more talented groups Carolina may face the entire season. In terms of what Arkansas did in their game against Memphis, as I mentioned, it was an 84-79 victory for Memphis. Um, you know, leading the way for Arkansas in this one was Khalif Battle off the bench with 21 points. Uh, he is really their big producer there, but L. Ellis came off the bench in this game, uh, played just 13 minutes, did not score in this one. So uh, the first time he did not start a game this year for Arkansas, and it was not the best performance from him. Trevon Brazil, 39 minutes, uh, just 13 points, but did have 10 rebounds, 5 of 10 from the field. Not the greatest shooting day for Devontae Davis. Uh, as well, 15 points, his uh, best production of the season, though, so far. Uh, 5 of 14 from the field, 3 of 7 from beyond the arc. Uh, Tremont Mack, 12 points uh, below his season average. Uh, four, point, uh, 4 of 9, excuse me, from the field uh, was 4 of 5 from the free throw line. Uh, they did uh, end up winning the rebounding battle, which will be something we'll talk a little bit more about here uh, coming up. 33-24. to 24. Uh, A lot of that, though, was that uh, Memphis did not miss a lot of shots. Very good shooting day uh, for Memphis and uh, didn't create a lot of opportunities. Also, Arkansas in this one shot 47% from the field, so weren't a ton of rebounds out there to be had. But they did have the edge on the glass. Really solid rebounding team for Arkansas. Uh, coming into today's game, uh, we're averaging over 40 rebounds per game, 41.4, uh, allowing just 36.6. So uh, a team that does a really good job of cleaning the glass and should be a big test for Carolina. You go over to the Carolina side of things, and the Tar Heels coming off of the loss to Villanova, 83-81 to in overtime. Tariels are 4-1 and one on the season so far. Uh, they had three players that were coming into the tournament averaging double figures, but uh, two of those guys have struggled a little bit. Armando Baycott came in averaging 22.3 points per game, 13.3 rebounds, shooting 61% from the field. And while he did have 18 rebounds, in the game against Villanova, he has 18 total points in the first two games of this series. 
uh, or of this tournament, and uh, is shooting well below his 61% from the field. Was just uh, four of ten in this one on uh, on Thursday. So. Uh, definitely not the type of performance that you were hoping for offensively from Armando Baycott in that one, especially going up against Eric Dixon, who on the other side had 34 points, a career high for him. Uh, R.J. Davis came in averaging 14.3 points per game, 3.3 uh, rebounds, 2.3 assists, 44% from the field, 28% from three. Uh, so far in this tournament, though, uh, things have not been falling at a very high rate uh, for R.J. Uh, it, really, the shooting percentage has been his biggest issue. He's shooting just 36% from the field, so uh, below that season average for him. Uh, shot that in both games so far in this tournament. He finished with 23 points in the game against Villanova, but still, you want to see him be a little bit more efficient. Meanwhile, the guys that are playing better, Harrison Ingram did come into the tournament averaging double figures, 12 points, 6.7 rebounds, 1.7 assists, shot 45% uh, overall, 32% from three. All of those percentages have gone up, and uh, most of those statistics have gone up as well, including the points per game. He's coming off of his best performance of the season, 20 points uh, in, uh, in this one against Villanova uh, earlier today. Six for eight for him, uh, as well as four of five from beyond the arc. So a good shooting day overall for him. The problem was he fouled out with about four minutes to go in the game. Carolina did not have him down the stretch. And you'd imagine if they had him the way that he was shooting the ball, there's a good chance that Carolina would have been able to find a way to win. Uh, he was, you know, a guy that kind of fell victim to some of those cheap fouls, but uh, Carolina going to have to be weary of those uh, in this game as well. Uh, we'll talk to a, a little more about that in the keys to the game. Uh, you look at Cormac Ryan, another guy who did not come in averaging double figures scoring uh, to the tournament, but he will no doubt exit uh, the tournament averaging double figures. Uh, you know, he built off of his performance on Wednesday uh, with his performance earlier today. 18 points for him uh, in, in the game. Uh, 7 of 12 from the field. That was really the most encouraging thing. Just 2 of 6 from beyond the arc. But to see him 7 of 12 from the field, very efficient day for him, which was something that he was struggling a little bit with early on in the season. I mean, you look at even the game that uh, he played against Northern Iowa on Wednesday, was just 3 of 12 from the field, uh, did get to the foul line a lot in that one, and that was really where he was able to make his hay outside of the three-point shot. So for him to put up the type of performance that he did, want to see him cut down on the turnovers a little bit, did have three uh, in the game against Villanova, but uh, I think he's certainly a guy uh, to keep an eye on uh, in this one for Carolina if he's able to go. The big thing for him, uh, and one of the biggest elements of this game overall, is going to be his health. Uh, he rolled his ankle at the end of the game against Villanova going for a uh, loose ball on uh, the shot, that, that you know, the intentional miss at the foul line, uh, it's you know not something that uh, you know we, we know a whole lot about. Uh, Hubert Davis didn't seem to be too concerned about it 
in the post-game press conference. Uh, did say that he was walking around a little bit, but said, look, it's something that we've got to wait on. We don't really know at this time what it's going to do overnight. Uh, so Carolina will have to see. It'll also be interesting, how do they approach this? Uh, do they value this game against Arkansas more, or do they really value the game against Tennessee more? Uh, if Carolina values that game against Tennessee that much more, then they may just say, look, we're going to sit you out and we'll figure it out. Carolina has uh, you know, a lot more depth this year than they've had in the past. You saw it on display in this game uh, as Carolina played 11 guys in this game. So uh, I, I think... Carolina could use some of those other depth options uh, in, in his place, and it could mean that we could see the first start of the, his young career for Elliott Cadeau. He had just three points in this game, uh, which was kind of the polar opposite, at least in the scoring uh, department, of the first game of this tournament where he had 15, uh, but did have five assists. He fouled out, one of the guys that fouled out early in overtime, so... Uh, he, he's a guy that I think Carolina, if they need to, will be able to play a little bit more if uh, Cormac Ryan is out. The other guy uh, that was uh, some, that that was the focus of the Tar Heel fan base uh, in this game was Jalen Withers. Uh, he got his first start as a Tar Heel. Um, wasn't his greatest performance by any stretch. Just two points for him after he scored 11, shot 4 of 5 from the field against Northern Iowa. This one, uh, just 0 of 2 from the field. Uh, his uh, his points came at the foul line. Seven rebounds in this game for him, which is a pretty solid number, especially when you look at the fact that he only played 20 minutes. Big concern for him. One was the fouls, fouled out uh, with three minutes to go in regulation, and the turnovers, four turnovers from him in this game. That's something that he's got to get cleaned up. So regardless of whether or not Cormac Ryan is in there or not, uh, there could be some debate about whether Carolina switches the starting lineup yet again. Uh, they you know, started against Northern Iowa with, uh, with, with R.J. Davis, and Seth Trimble in the backcourt along with Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, and Armando Baycott. Uh, you wonder if there's a possibility that Carolina could go with Elliott Cadeau in the backcourt, uh, switch him in there for Seth Trimble, or who knows, they could even go back to Seth Trimble. Uh, so uh, definitely a lot of question marks about what Carolina's lineup will look like in this game. Now let's get to our discussion topic here for this edition of the podcast, and it really revolves around the importance of this game for Carolina. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see, and maybe you can sort of tell how much Carolina values this game uh, based on what they do with Cormac Ryan, although there could be a lot more that goes into it than that. But this seems like a game that could have a lot of importance for the Tar Heels overall. Um, look, I know they, the game against Tennessee. Tennessee, really good team, ranked inside of the top 10. They probably will fall out of it or close to out of it uh, because of their losses in Maui. Although, as I said, uh, two of the better losses that you could really ask for. You lost to the number two and number one teams in the country consecutively. So I don't really think it's something that they can be too disappointed about. They're going to come in arguably more battle-tested than Carolina does. 
So it feels like this is a pretty important game for Carolina. I'm not going to say it's a must win, but when you look at the rest of the non-conference schedule that Carolina has, uh, it's it's a pretty difficult one that Carolina uh, it can you know it cannot look at and say uh, that there are a lot of guaranteed wins on. Um, you know, Carolina, you know, they have that game with Tennessee on Wednesday of this coming week. Then they turn around on December 5th, have to go up to Madison Square Garden and play UConn, who is off to a really good start to the year. They looked the part again this season of a team uh, that could make a run at a national championship. Uh, Kentucky, team that, you know, gave Kansas everything that they could handle uh, earlier in the season. You'd imagine that they two are going to be motivated to bounce back from that loss. Uh, they're also uh, off to a very solid start. Uh, Oklahoma is probably the, the, the one, along with uh, Charleston Southern, uh, that closes out the non-conference season. Those are probably the two that you look at and feel most confident about. But that three-game stretch that Carolina has coming up after this is a very difficult one. You do not want to lose this game and risk the possibility that you could have a three, maybe four-game losing streak like you did last year with the type of schedule that you have on the horizon. So it does feel like this is a big one for Carolina um, to get in the bag. It's a gettable team in Arkansas. It's a team that's struggling in certain areas, and it really is up to Carolina to dig deep and find a way to put the loss to Villanova, one that they probably feel like got away from them behind them, and focus on this game uh, that they have coming up on Friday. Let's look at the keys to the game for a Carolina victory. And the first one, did not think that this would be a key for Carolina coming into, uh, into this game, but uh, avoid fouling. First two uh, games of this tournament, it has been just a, a complete identity flip from what we saw in the first three games from Carolina in this department. They came in allowing just 7.7 .7 free throw attempts per game in the first three games. Great job of not fouling, especially getting uh, the, the fouls that allowed teams to get to the free throw line. Um, but so far in this tournament, they have allowed an average of 29 free throw attempts over the first two games. Carolina's got to be smart in this game. This is a tournament that has been that has been called very tightly, especially when Carolina has been on the defensive end of the floor. So you just have to be smart. Yeah, it's it, it's hard not to be physical. This is another team in Arkansas that does like to play with a little bit of physicality, but Carolina's just got to find a way uh, to defend without fouling and don't put this team at the free throw line because this is a team that is as good as anybody in the country with getting to the foul line. They are first, or were at least coming into the game against Memphis, first in the country uh, in free throw attempts per game with 31. They uh, were eighth in the country in free throw makes with 21.6. So this is a team that thrives on getting to the free throw line and making their foul shots. And look, even in the game against Memphis uh, earlier today, they got there 27 times, made 20 of their shots. Uh, the one thing is, is that they are not the most efficient team at the foul line, but it is a team that likes to get there a lot. 
for Carolina, limiting their ability to get to the foul line should give the Tar Heels a really good chance to pull out a victory in this one. Uh, the second key to the game is get Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis, your two best players, in rhythm. Uh, they have not been in rhythm so far in this tournament, and you can tell that uh, it is something that Carolina has had to battle. First game, you saw the guys step up in the second half. A lot of the secondary pieces step up. Uh, in this game, yeah, the secondary piece has played well, but when you lost a big secondary piece like Harrison Ingram uh, to foul trouble, uh, you saw how much it really changed the game and limited Carolina's chances on the offensive end of the four. Armando Baycott he came in averaging 22.3 points per game. Uh, you've scored 18 points in the first two games. It's time for you to step up in this game and really show why you are one of the most dominant bigs in the country. You're going up against a really good big in, Shurma, uh, in, in Brazil, um, but at the same time, you know, you need to find a way uh, to finish at the rim. You need to demand the ball a little bit more. And, you know, hopefully that will allow Carolina uh, to, you know, get in a little bit of an easier rhythm offensively than they were able to get into in the game against Villanova. As for R.J. Davis, it's really just about efficiency. Um, just, you know, he's got to take the most of his opportunities. But the, the thing is, is that, he can't force some of these shots that he's been forcing here early on in this tournament. First two games, you know, there's been times where we've seen signs of the RJ on the offensive end of the floor that we saw last year. Um, you know, trying to play hero ball to a certain extent. And yeah, late in the game uh, against Villanova, he really didn't have much of a choice. He was the guy that uh, Carolina needs to be able to make shots late in the game, simply wasn't able to do it. But the biggest key for him, get downhill, get to the lane. That's when, you know, you're, he is at his best. And if he can do that in this game, hit some of those tough shots that we're used to seeing him hit, then Carolina has a really good chance to come away with the victory. The final key to the game is win the turnover battle. Uh, the reason that this is such a big key is that Arkansas has lost the turnover battle exactly twice so far this season. And both times that they have lost the turnover battle, they've lost the game. Now, they didn't turn it over a ton in this game uh, or uh, in the game against UNC Greensboro just 13 times, but UNC Greensboro held on to the ball, uh, only turned it over 10. The bigger issue uh, is the game for, for Arkansas with turnovers was the game uh, earlier today against Memphis. They had 18 turnovers in the game. Memphis was able to take advantage of that. And that's an area that Carolina can really, really uh, separate themselves from just about any other team in the country this season. If they can create turnovers, especially live ball turnovers, and get out and run, it's going to be a huge problem for opposing teams. That has to be one of the things that Hubert Davis and his staff are preaching to these guys. This is a team that... Uh, you know, ha has turned the ball over a little bit at times this year, um, especially in, in games where teams match up really well with them. Carolina does. So I think if Carolina is aggressive in this game and can create some turnovers, they'll have a great chance to uh, pull out the victory. Uh, so let's get to my prediction for this game. 
Uh, you know, look, I, I picked Carolina in the game against Villanova. Didn't work out too well, but I knew it was going to be a close game. At least I had that going in my favor. I think this one will be another close game. I just don't think Carolina is at that point yet where they're able uh, to really uh, to, to get comfortable wins against ranked opponents. I think Arkansas, I'm not going to say Arkansas is desperate, but look, with two losses already in the non-conference, picking up a third is certainly uh, not something that Eric Musselman and his staff are hoping for at this point. Uh, it's, it, it would be something that is a little bit of a setback for a team that had goals of, of competing uh, in the SEC this season. So uh, I think it's going to be a tough battle. But I think in the end, Carolina pulls it out somewhere in that three to five point range. I think it'll be a really close battle down to the end. But I think Carolina makes some tough shots. I think R.J. Davis plays much better. Armando Baycott steps up. And I think you continue to see Harrison Ingram in the rhythm that he's in. I won't say anything about what I expect from Cormac Ryan because I don't know if he'll play in this game. If he doesn't play, could certainly be a much different uh, looking Toriel team out there. But I think Carolina pulls out the victory over Arkansas to leave Nassau 2-1 and one, uh, overall and uh, you know, finish out uh, this early stretch before they get into that difficult heart of the non-conference season at 5-1. and one. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast, guys. Hey, make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, and check out everything that we have over there for you guys. We've got the recap of the Villanova game that is up there for you guys. Uh, make sure you go through, read about uh, the struggles that Carolina had keeping Villanova off the foul line, uh, the guys that fouled out, how big of an impact that had, as well as some other positive things that you can take away uh, from the game and part of the reason why we don't think that it's time to panic just yet. Uh, also, while you're there, make sure that you check out uh, the great football content that we have for you guys as well. Uh, we'll be taking you up until uh, the game on Friday, uh, or excuse me, on Saturday against the NC State Wolfpack. So used to it being a Friday game, but luckily it is not. It allows us to sort of focus on this game for Carolina against Arkansas. Um, uh, so the preview of that will be going up later in the evening. Meanwhile, the preview for this game for Carolina on the hard court will be going up uh, early tomorrow morning for you guys to check out. So a whole bunch of content on the website, HeelToughBlog.com, the place to check it all out. So that's going to wrap it up once again for this edition of the podcast. I uh, want to thank you guys for listening, wishing you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. And as always, go Tar Heels! <laughs>